0: People paint themselves into a corner when they keep building out more and more legacy and sooner or later, you've got a beautiful room, which you can't get out of it.
1: Well, we are big supporters of startups at Instec London. We are also spending time with the more established companies, many of whom continue innovate and push the boundaries in the use of data and technology in and around insurance and genesis is one of these although only a recently arrived in the uk they've been helping insurers and others rapidly deploy policy administration systems across many different areas of business andre Science launched the uk business a couple of years ago and as you're about to hear has barely paused for breath since then Well, Matthew Grant here, back with episode 105, Uh, and once again, bringing you discussions with the leaders and movers from companies of all sizes, all around the world these days. Uh, We believe we are the perfect accompaniment for running, cycling, gardening, driving, mowing the lawn, doing the ironing, or indeed, whatever else takes your fancy. We're not proud. Uh, And by the way, before we hear from Andre, if you are collecting continual professional development, CPD credits... Did you know that we are approved by the UK's Chartered Insurance Institute, that's a CII, towards your annual CPD requirements? And finally, thank you all for the feedback on the podcast and our recently launched report on parametric insurance. Please do keep telling us and others what you like. Andre, delighted to catch up with you today. We've, we've, it's been quite hard to get this podcast organized. Every time we've had it in the past, you've been so busy adding in new clients, we've had to reschedule it. But I hope now the sign you've actually got some time to carve out for the podcast doesn't mean that your clients are, are slowing down.
0: Uh, no, ab- absolutely not. On the, on the contrary, it's, it's, it's getting even, even better. I think the reason why we happen to have time today is because it's a public holiday in South Africa. So some of my meetings have been moved out.
1: Oh, well, good. Well, I, I know you are based in the UK, and we're going to talk about the history of the company in a second. But just just picking up on that, uh, so Genesis is, to me, it's a fascinating organization and the type of company I actually remind people about a lot when they get too focused on this idea of insuretech or insuretech being... Companies that were formed in the last five years ago, you proudly brand yourself on your T-shirts as Insuretech, and I, you know, my experience with you and your colleagues has been that you are very much a, you have that enthusiasm and a yeah, approach to try new things with a new company. But actually, you are twenty years old. You're a family business. You've been there for ten years. You start off in a marketing role, and then you're a chief operating officer. And you came over in June last year to open up the operations for genesis in in the uk
0: yeah yeah absolutely i see insurtech more function rather than a description and we've always provided insurance technology uh, throughout the years so i suppose we, we can we can call it an insurtech but it's just depending on what your definition of that is
1: so we won't dig too much into that what is insurtech what is not insurtech but in terms of the business you are offering for should just make sure we're talking a little bit about what it is that Genesis does so you are providing policy administration systems you're working both with established companies and some of the newer companies but what would be a sort of typical example of an implementation you might be working on
0: so some of the quicker implementations that we have done for new clients but the existing business would be you know example like a taxi underwriter in south africa that was about a one month project through to us doing a full re-platform uh, for the fourth largest insurer in South Africa, which is about a 10-month platform. But typically, we work with, with, with startups, uh, large multinational brokers, um, and MGAs.
1: And you mentioned earlier that things are going well in terms of your clients. I know over the, uh, the lockdown, you've continued to, to grow. So congratulations from that. It's been a challenging time for many people. Clearly, the reason you came to the UK was there's more growth out here. But you know, what is it you think is is driving that growth because there are a lot of organizations out there doing what you're doing and clearly you're doing something right in the fact that you are you're working with such a wide range of clients and continuing to grow the business
0: when we first came and started exploring the technology landscape of, of, of the London market or the UK market, you know, I think everybody had lots of similar uh, concerns about time to market to deploy, the cost of deployment, uh, the agility of the software that they were deploying. And then also, you know a big thing that has changed in the last little while would be the openness of the architecture. Um, and the technology that we had built ticked all those boxes. So when we first came to just, just to see whether there would be interest, we didn't expect the adoption that we got, which has been quite exciting. And I think what we are doing slightly different to a lot of other people is that we have a lot of the tools of the newer InsurTechs out there, the zero-code tools, the quick-to-deploy stuff, but we also have a very powerful a mature and proven backend to support this on scale. And I think there's very few companies that can tick both those boxes simultaneously
1: that's the benefit of your 20 years you've got those established tools i mean what in terms of your own legacy in 20 years is a long time in technology have you got challenges yourself in those types of tools you're building do you have to presume you need to keep refreshing your own existing components that you provide people as well as building the new ones on top of that
0: absolutely and you know we've got a very strong r d department that my colleague craig who you know quite well heads up Um, and it makes it even more challenging when you when you have to fund your own r d but we, we redeploy between 30 and 35% of our revenue back into our product to make sure that it stays up to date with the latest technology, that we limit the amount of legacy that we deploy, and obviously also then to create new tools to help with the changing market.
1: And as part of that, you, not only are you reinvesting in the business, but you have continued to be driving the business through your own revenue. You, you haven't taken any kind of external funding for the last or well, since you started.
0: Not at all. And we're quite proud of that. And I think it's also another unique aspect of Genesis is that because we haven't taken any external funding, we, we have very little shareholder pressure on sales returns, which means that we can then, you know, uh, pass on those benefits to our clients, but put us in a better partnership position with our clients rather than a vendor-client relationship.
1: Yeah, it's a really nice business model that you can, you can support your client's success, you can grow with them. And certainly in my experience where that happens yeah, the relationship pays off over time as you help them and particularly help them in the early days. So, no, it's really great to hear that's happening. I, yeah, sometimes I feel we hear a bit too much about the funding and make a noise about the funding and hear less around companies like yours that are just getting on with it and doing it and, and generating some really good results with a great client base. So, you know, so well done on that. Uh, I'd just like to talk a little bit, Andrea, about the, the technology itself. Uh, we ourselves have been talking quite a lot about low code and no code. Agile has been known for a while as a, a sort of methodology. Uh, can you just talk about what it means in practice for how you build the products with your clients?
0: There's a lot of debate going on at the moment about about no code or low code tools. Whilst we have some of our clients that have adopted our no code tools themselves. A lot of them still don't really want their headache of use, using those no code tools um, or you know they don't have the expertise in-house even though or they believe that they don't they just simply don't want to create a whole new vertical that does product building you know to create no code tools there needs to be an element of standardization across those tools which then again removes some of the USps that your clients want so you always need to make sure that while you can have the speed and the agility of the no code tools you also need to be able to still create some sort of bespoke elements for your clients so that they can differentiate themselves from each other
1: and building on that i mean from my experience when i've been involved in not design as in the writing of the code but certainly specifying products you know one of the hardest parts has been The user interface and and really be clear about what the use case is and actually often you don't even know until you start doing something so with agile it does give people the benefit of being able to iterate as they go as opposed to you know coming up with a design and then moving to a sort of waterfall approach but yeah as you as you look at what you've been doing and and where you've been successful in that whole user interface user experience side i mean how, how have you successfully worked with your clients to help them design and continue to iterate on products that are going to be successful when they're deployed into real usage.
0: That's a great point. Um, And it it kind of goes back to something that our founder, who happens to be my dad, who said many years ago, agile was a way of being long before it was a term. And what, what he meant by that is that we've always seen implementations as being agile, as being, you need to be able to move and change as you go through that. And that was predominantly why we created our zero code tools was more to facilitate the continuous change rather than to, for it to become a sales tool in today's day and age. Some of our, our young startup clients that we've had, and you, 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 you know, the equips me, uh, crowd quite well, and their business has changed dramatically in the last two years. Then you need to be able to have methodologies and a management style that can accommodate that. A lot of the companies that, when they start out, they've got they've got dreams of being something very different, particularly in the insurtech space. But then, as shareholder pressure and carrier influence comes on, they have to continuously pivot. And as the IT partner, you have to be able to pivot with that. So we've always had an agile approach um, to to projects, and you need to continuously have that. And then, just to quickly touch on your on your UI point, I, I agree one hundred percent. Is that you know the only way to optimize you know client onboarding through UI is to continuously change it, test it out, make small changes. And there's some great tooling out there that you can use for it. But again, the business behind it has to support that that agile methodology.
1: Thanks for mentioning Equips me. We know them quite well. In fact, Matthew Reed is appearing in our forthcoming event, which by the time we release this will have gone live on the eighth of October, talking about what they're doing. Really interesting organization providing health benefits for small, medium-sized businesses. But just taking them as an example, I mean, you don't, don't necessarily need to give specifics around exactly what happened, but when you engage with these smaller companies where they may not have had experience of building technology before, I mean, who, who is it within the organization that you sit down with, or I guess these days do it virtually, specify the design and the workflow? I mean, how, how does that work in practice? Because that's a bit, I think it can be done Okay, it can be done really well, which is really hard. And it could be done really badly. And it's just I think it's part of a big problem with you know, this move to new technology and insurance is that often the systems don't get designed with the end user in mind, which you, you know, a lot of that is just hard work of, of working with people. But yes, what what be a practical example of how you would do that with your with your clients?
0: Using EquusMe as, as one example, you know they've got an extremely competent and very, very professional team. And we, we sat down with everybody from Matthew being the managing director through to Andy Santoni being their chief underwriting officer. Um, and, and we work with them directly. In, in some of the larger organizations that have much bigger teams, you know we, we tend to work directly with business. When you can have an underwriter talking directly to the person creating the product, it really does take out a, quite a lot of the lag to deploy.
1: And are you doing this with what, whiteboards, flip charts, or is it some kind of technology where you can mock up what the user interface looks like and iterate on that?
0: The tools that we've created is the UI for that. So we have things like live preview within our product building tool. So you can actually set the drag and drop questions in, create new questions, create new rules around that, decision trees, rating. And then you can right there on screen, check what it looks like. And if you don't like it, you change it. And then once you're ready to deploy, you you can then deploy.
1: That's a really helpful way of doing it. And then as a question or a question for you that came up when I was talking to somebody else recently about the challenges with legacy and then organizations like yourselves that you're building technology for the larger insurance companies as they move into new areas. So they've got a little bit more freedom about what they use because they don't need to rely on the legacy. But at some point, these organizations are going to live in a world where they've got legacy systems and then they've got a number of genesis, for example, implementations. Does it get to the point in a few years where we're creating a new challenge because you've got two different types of technology? I mean, are you future proofing what you're doing so that gradually it can all be rolled into one? system, that at least different components talk to each other, even if they're not built on the same platforms.
0: We are becoming very, very open. We've got several hundred API endpoints, uh, or, or REST-based APIs, uh, particularly to try and prevent this, this future legacy. And I, I always term it that people paint themselves into a corner when they keep building out more and more legacy. And sooner or later, you've got a beautiful room which you can't get out of it. And what we're trying to do is to give the clients some element of comfort that if they do want to change down the line, or if they do want to adopt an element of Genesis, they can.
1: And I think for the, for the at least for the near-term and medium-term future, is going to be API technology. And now one of the companies I came across when I was looking at what you've been up to was really interesting, uh, Generic Pandemic Shield, which is a parametric insurance product for health. And they're a South African company. But can you just talk a little bit about What's happening with them, and, and yeah, that whole area is something we're particularly interested in, anyway. But I would just be interested: was it a different experience building a product for a parametric insurance application than a traditional insurance offering?
0: No, not really, because because all of that functionality already resides within Genesis, this platform. It was out of the box uh, the, that functionality. The the interesting and the really fun story about about Generic is that you know when when lockdown happened, um, you know people needed to start pivoting and creating new products. We didn't even help them build that product. They simply use our technology. We got a phone call saying, uh, we have prepared this uh, uh, product. Please, will you deploy it to our live production environment for us? They had done everything. They created the product, created the pricing, done all the underwriting, then built it on the technology stack themselves and simply gave us a call just to make sure that it goes into production correctly.
1: So a real uh, case study for the low-code approach, and I guess also you know, good education with your your clients. I guess you take it too far too extreme. You start doing yourself out of a job because all your clients are doing it um, themselves. But that's, that's the benefit of offering a, a platform that's fully functional and usable, I presume.
0: I think you're right. I don't think it's going to be radical. Um, I think that everything in insurance takes a lot longer than we anticipated to, to take. Our relationship isn't really about utilizing their staffing or their resource pools for, for implementation, but rather to call upon their network of peripheral services to put into our clients. So once we deploy our, our core platform into a client, our, our system integration partners or our technology partners, people like Rocco or Hitachi, as an example, can very easily then offer their additional services, be it actuarial, pricing, data analysis. So there is absolutely scope for those technology partners. But I don't think in traditional sense where you have one of the big four sending 200 of their associates to go do an implementation, I think those days are probably going to start slowing down and it's more seeing a shift to monetizing
1: the ecosystems. And you mentioned two organizations Hitachi and Rocker who are partners with yours. Rocker, I believe you are working with to expand into the US?
0: Our US expansion came off the back of one of our our latest clients to onboard the the Hamilton group, the the Lloyd's MGA that sells products out of New York and Miami. But the the relationship with Rocker itself is predominantly more focused on on the LATAM space. Um, And yes, they are very, very cool crowd uh, Hilario and Pablo, the 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 two chaps that run the 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 Rocky InsureTech uh, aspects, they truly believe in exponential businesses, and uh, they partner with us because they realise that the software that we can offer them uh, helps them go to their clients where they can launch more products with less effort and quicker. And um, yeah, it's very exciting that we're busy working with them on some some uh, uh, deals in in, in Ecuador, uh, Mexico, and other other places as well as uh, Venezuela, where Hilario is actually from
1: excellent well we have a group of dedicated listeners out in latin america so for any of you listening from that part of the world check out rocker and a couple other partners i came across you working with the data company and pakezo Uh, the data company i guess we can figure out a little bit about what they do but we're really intrigued to know how you're working with both those organizations
0: yes and the data company uh, um, what they are partner when it comes to looking at uh, data fraud management Uh, so they've built some really cool modelings using the data walk tools Um, And yes, we've integrated into them to showcase how we can use data for motor claims, as an example. Um, Piquet, so Inform, uh, headed up by a very cool team out in in, uh, Nottingham. And again, they are multi-bureau data source uh, partner. Um, And I think it's very important to note before, I've got a couple of other ones that that we probably need to mention, is that any of our clients, because we've pre-integrated into these partners, can pick them. And just say simply, we want this additional service, Well, no, we don't want this additional service. We already have a relationship with another partner. We can just couple or decouple your existing one and recouple the new one with the API. We've got about fifteen partners uh, in our in our particular ecosystem. But the ones that are quite interesting is that uh, you know there's a company called Extract Three Hundred and Sixty, headed up by a chap called Michael Flanagan, out of Ireland, who has created an incredibly Uh, powerful visualization tool for motor claims using telematics data uh, and in reconstructing accident scenes using case law to assign liabilities and they've given some use cases about how they've driven down claims costs dramatically
1: we had extract 360 on stage last year actually in the days when we used to actually be allowed to be in the same place at the same time so we've actually got a record they're actually in one of the uh, podcasts
0: and then we've also partnered with a company called CodePlex, which has full supplier management, paneling, pricing, etc. Um, so, again, it comes as a OEM service if you want to use that in, within our platform. And then a company called Curator, which we're very proud of. Uh, they are an extremely powerful uh, rating uh, a black box, which we've partnered with, and we can handle extremely complex life. A motor rating uh, uh, types of algorithms within there and uh, you know, our, our underwriters and actuaries that we deal with get very excited when they can see the tooling that they can use in there again no code uh, rating where you can build that very complex rating within you know a couple of minutes to two hours rather than than weeks as before and then one of the more recent ones is a company called flow also out of south africa and they are a, a zero code uh, integration tool. So it really just helps simplify the integration to third parties where you can drag and drop different endpoints to each other and do graphical mapping. Um, yeah, So it's a bit more of a B2B uh, partner, but it really does accelerate the deployment of our platform.
1: What I find really interesting about the partners is, is part of what you were relating to earlier on with the APIs, but it I suspect it's even more integrated in the sense that your people want to have more than one part of the solution and my view of what's going to be how we're going to see more of is more partnerships, more either platforms or just your multi touch points between different organizations. You know, who's to say whether one's a platform or not? But uh, yeah, it's really impressive a list of partnerships you've got. And are those available on the website if anybody wants to learn more about what you're doing with those individual companies? Yes, they are. And we talked about a few clients, but is there anybody else you can mention that you think is a good example of what you've been up to and changes that are happening in the industry?
0: I mean the largest implementation that we'd done before was for the fourth largest insurance in Africa company by the name of Guard Risk. Um, you know and uh, you know we built out sixty eight commercial products for them with about five data migrations and I think we did a hundred bespoke reports for them and those sixty eight products were commercial combined products, not simple single line products. Uh, and that was a, that was a ten month project, and um, they 've just renewed for another couple of years now, so we're very excited about that so we deal with the large carriers on the one end uh, aon South Africa runs their the business on our platform, so we deal with the large brokers um, you know other interesting ones that we that we deal with is people like Price Forbes in South Africa as well you know doing some of their corporate business we uh, just helped a company called franchisee First go live, which they do bond insurance, which is quite quite interesting
1: I want to come back on that move from South Africa, and you mentioned Craig earlier. Last night I spoke to Craig. He put you out. He was still in South Africa, and at that point they had a ban on selling any alcohol. He's about to go out and buy some apples to make cider. Uh, I assumed he. I know he survived the experience, and I think they're a bit more tolerant now. But yeah, that was quite a big move for the company and for you personally to move over to the UK last year. So, I mean, how, how did you make that leap as an organisation from working in South Africa to ending up? not just working in the UK, but you know, working to the point you felt you wanted to actually open up a, an office out here?
0: We ended up being one of the largest independent policy admin providers in South Africa. And I think at one stage we measured we were getting around about 30% of the outsourced market share. And, you know, the natural law of diminishing returns started started showing, you know, we started seeing that you know, to, get, to get into the, the really big insurers, Uh, it was getting challenging because a lot of them would be buying offshore products. You know, they would go to the typical large organizations like Duck Creek or Guidewire, Sapiens, et cetera, Um, which isn't really the market that we play in. So um, Steve, our founder, who is a British citizen, always had a a desire to to expand first to the UK. And I did a business case on that, and and it made a lot of sense. You know, the insurance is very similar, time zones from a support point of view, it's very similar. Uh, and also, I think to a degree, some of the culture is very similar. So it was a natural progression to, to jump across. We had a client by the name of Compass Underwriting headed up by a chap by the name of Andrew Bryant since 2005 already. So he's been on platform for 15 years. Um, no longer the same platform or same tech, just, just to be clear on that. But we we then spoke to him and said, you know, Andrew, what is the market saying about tech in, in, in London? And he said, there's a lot of frustration. Come and have a look. And it became very evident that there was a there was a niche for a strong policy admin proposition with, within the tier three, tier four, tier five type insurer and NGA space. And then we did some some small explorations. And at that stage, it was when we onboarded EquipsMe, and the proof was in the pudding that we onboarded eight more logos in the following months. Quite quickly after that, it was it was it wasn't a very difficult decision for me to make to pack up uh, South Africa and to move here, to continue that growth. I absolutely love London. My wife
1: absolutely loves London.
0: Uh, and there's just so much opportunity here, lots of competition, but it's a great
1: place to be. Well, well done. I mean, it's definitely a part of what came back to that point about funding and investors and yeah, you know, organizations looking at early stage companies very much look for that ability to scale beyond the home territory, particularly you know, for those starting up in Smaller countries like the UK or South Africa, relative to the market in the US, so yeah, it's a big measure of success to be able to make that transition um, over here, and uh, yeah, now presumably into the US as well. So, And, as you look forward with what you're doing, or indeed what you see on in the industry, what can we look out for coming in the near future from uh, from Genesis?
0: We pride ourselves on doing on-time, on-budget projects with a quality delivery. Um, and you know, if, we, if that means that we only grow 30, 40% per year, well, then, then, then so, so be it. We're not here to, to try and grow for the sake of it. We've got no shareholders to, uh, um, you know, to please. We just want to offer a good quality service. What you, what you probably will see more from us, and you know, um, we, we're going to be launching our brand new uh, client portal very soon, which we are quite proud of. It should be coming out in the next week or so. So a lot of the really strong engineering tech that we've got, a lot of that is going to become more direct to consumer type of technology in the near future.
1: Excellent. And also you've been a great supporter of what we've been doing with INSTEP London, and not just with us, but actually to the community as a whole. And I know that be a part of what your vision and mission is, is to help other people in early stages you know, understand how to build businesses and, and scale those businesses. So, yeah, I think you're putting something back into the community as well. But just on that Instech London one, I mean, you've said you've been a big supporter. We've seen you at lots of our events in the past. I mean, what is it about we're doing that has led you to become a, a corporate member and, you know, continue to talk to us and follow us?
0: We like what you do so much that, you know, we're we increasing our support of, of instead London. Um do you know what it is? It's quite simply that because we own a, we know what it's like running a business and how difficult it is to actually run a business. So when I see those youngsters doing their 30 second pitches at your events, not only can you relate, I also have a, a large amount of respect for what it is that they do. And I think any platform that gives someone uh, the the ability to try and make a business for themselves, to be an entrepreneur is something that should be encouraged. So anytime we see people doing that, uh, we we naturally lean towards it. We have a bias towards people who run their own businesses, that are owned and managed because we do it ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, as long as Insect London keeps supporting the little guy and, and keeps trying to help out uh, the small people become the next unicorn, well, we'll carry on supporting them.
1: Well, great. Thanks. I mean, and we, we do, we're really keen to support little guys. Not entirely altruistic because the guys then become big guys and then they become corporate members and they spend money with us but uh, we're great believers in paying forward and yeah it's particularly delightful to work with partners like yourselves that share that same vision and put something back into the community and hopefully we will see each other face to face sometime soon in London or somewhere else but in the meantime thank you very much and best wishes with all the exciting things you've got going on thank you
0: thanks Matthew I look forward to the next beer at the venue and we can do that again
1: Yeah, in uh, in however many months or years that's going to be. (laughs) Thank you. Excellent. Well, if you found that useful and you want to learn more about what is happening on the boundaries of innovation in and around insurance, and of course the people making the changes, then we've got some great content over on our website, www. A great library there of interviews, events, audio, video and written. And also, if you're interested in learning more about corporate membership and finding out if it's right for you or indeed sponsoring any of our weekly events, then please do email us hello at instec.london.